You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where Griff and I are continuing our preview series where we are joined by an expert guest who knows much more than us. Uh, to look at Seahawks versus Browns, the throwback week. And this is the perfect guest for this game. SB Nation's Mark Schofield. Not only is Mark basically the best guy in the game at quarterbacks and, uh, you know, for this game where the quarterback mystery, you know, it's a really good fit in that sense. But Mark also is a really, really nice guy. Actually gave me my start in the industry and has been beyond kind on numerous, numerous occasions and uh, also provided evidence in a elevator that I am five for 10, which was also nice. So um, Mark, what's up? What's going on friends. It is great to be here. Oddly enough, my camera just went super blurry. So I'm not, I'm not doing some like soap opera, like film here to like kind of hide my age here. It's just all of a sudden my camera decided to be super blurry, but I'm excited to be here. Um, Maddie, it's been great knowing you and getting to know you over the years. Um, Griffin, been a huge fan of yours uh, for a while now, so it's fun to get to do a show together. Um, yeah, excited to dive in. I wish I came with more answers with respect to the Browns quarterback position um, because it's absolute voyage of discovery time. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday night, and we're hearing even more about Watson and the shoulder injury. So. Who knows if it's going to be Watson, if it's going to be P.J. Walker, if it's going to even matter. Um, but, yeah, happy to dive into it all. There you go. So before that, though, Mark, how about Newcastle United? Because that's one thing that we have <laughs> That is another thing Drift, that we have. Drift, you're left out here. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm the odd man out. Yeah. Um, what a start to the Champions League season, my friend. I mean – Look, you know, the, the, the adage, draw on the road, win at home, they've done that so far, but they get a chance to inch even closer to, to Zoo and Vance tomorrow, I mean, which is going to be a fantastic match to watch. It's interesting. Like, what it looked like they were going to qualify for the Champions League. I had people ask me, I did a show with uh, Neil Dunn and, and Paul Warren, Mainzie, 
um, I do a draft show with them every year, Wax and Lyrical. And they asked me, like, when you first hear that Champions League music playing at St. James's Park, like, who do you want to see on the other sideline? And at the time, you know, last April, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like, just, just let me see some Champions League football at St. James's Park. And then they get drawn into the group of death. And it's like, okay, well, now I do care. Okay. Like, this is not what I wanted. But the fact that, you know, they've now got a realistic shot at advancing, I, I think it's fantastic. It was great to see them live for the first time. Got to finally see them live because they were in Philly, took the family up for that forced everybody to wear a Newcastle top, which I've got photographic evidence now of my daughter, you know, wearing a St. Maximum jersey. Um, but it's it's been a fantastic – what do you think, man? Because I'm just loving it. I love that. Uh, I, I I honestly, like, after the PSG game, I wasn't even happy. I just couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. most of my reactions to this, I've just been completely stunned. I mean, I don't know when you started following the team, actually, but I'm young enough – to not really know what it looks like when they're good so yeah i mean i started following them like my favorite sort of newcastle story is we were in london and it was the year that they got sent down when shearer came over as came as the the caretaker right right at the end of the season and i had started following them like a few years prior to that and so we were there like with in april with like three weeks left in the season and i'm in a sports direct in piccadilly and I'm trying on a Newcastle top, and the kid working there is like, why do you want that one? You know they're awful, right? They're garbage. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is my club. I got to wear it. So I like wore it on the flight home, and people are looking at me like they feel bad. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, passports with Pardue is the, like, yes. most joyous part of my Newcastle fandom experience. Like, you know, qualifying for Europa League and slim shot at Champions League play and Alan Pardue and dancing on the sideline and becoming a GIF or a GIF, however you pronounce that. But, um, yeah, I mean, this has been something special. Like you said, like, you know, obviously I wasn't there for that match against PSG. I was just watching it. But I probably sat in my kitchen that night just watching scene after scene after scene and my phone and the eyes welling up a little bit and yeah crowd yep. in full voice and my kids and my wife being like why why is daddy crying i'm like everything's fine it's, it's yeah fine <laughs> um you know getting to st james's park is a bucket list thing for me now like I, oh I just you, yeah see you've one got match. to go yeah i just want to see one match doesn't matter who what friendly i don't care i just want to be there for one match but it, it, it's been so much fun this year no, it is an amazing, amazing place, uh, St. James's Park. Cathedral on the hill, it really is, dominates the city, the skyline, uh, even with them building student housing, like a skyscraper near it. Uh, and I think with the PSG game as well, on the subject of not being able to believe it, when when Shah scored that amazing like final goal, that was when I felt relief. I just yeah. felt relief because I thought I just thought of three one. Like, it's PSG. Um, I was like, and it's Newcastle. Like, like, this, like, gonna, this is not going to end. This can't end like this, right? This is going to be some sort of painful, painful experience. And yeah, but no, like it didn't happen. Like the, that you did not drop the one every Newcastle fan was waiting for. It didn't drop. So Griff, what, what do you think to Newcastle? Are you ready for football? I see chats getting upset. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know a topic I'd love to de- delve into more with you guys, but uh, you know we've oh we can we, 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 we obviously have an agenda can. here. Yeah, yeah, we got time. Oh, okay, well, good. All right, we can we can call an audible then. And, uh, okay. What do, you, what, what do you call audibles in the soccer world? 
Well, that happens dessert, all the time, you see. Yeah. It's not set plays. It's just, oh. it's just free-flowing. Free yeah. oh. Everything's yeah. an audible. It's just a 90-minute yeah. audible. Nice. Yeah. Okay. How cool does that sound? Yeah. So, oh. so it's like an RPO in a constant yeah. state of, okay. Uh, all right, I understand soccer now. Got it. There you go. Yeah. So the actual, the actual show, Griff, um, Mark, you wrote a piece on the Browns. Uh, you've co-wrote pieces on the Browns at SB Nation. Very entertaining reads. And I know before week six, when the Browns are two and two, which is pretty valuable context now, they're four and two, but you had them 12th in Super Bowl odds and you had the offense as kind of a, maybe a scary factor uh, for that, re- you know, having them down. You had Kevin Stefanski on the hot seat. Where are you at with them now? They're four and two. I don't think anything's really changed. The offense is still a scary factor, whether it is Deshaun Watson or P.J. Walker under center. They've lost Nick Chubb. And, and certainly, look, they have pieces in the run game and elements that they can lean into in the run game. But this is a bad passing game right now, whether it's Watson or Walker under center. Like, And we can dive into the two quarterbacks and what they've done and how they've played, but it's a bad passing game right now. I think the one thing that they have going for them is they have a tremendous defense. This is a scary defense. It is a defense that as we've seen the past two weeks, can mask at times bad quarterback play. Now, the Colts found some success against this defense, and I think there are things you can do against this defense schematically and, in a sense, philosophically to have success. But it's a very good defense. You have perhaps the defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett, who, you know, I I remember back in the day when I was playing and we would have, you know, plays that we had to audible out of and things like that. We would have plays designed where it's like, look, if 77 is doing this, you have to know where he is at, at all times. You have to know where 75 is at all times. You have to know where 95 is at all times because he's not always going to be where you expect him to be. They're going to move him around. And so that defense can be scary and it will cause offenses problems. But it's a bad passing game, a bad quarterback situation that I don't see signs improving anytime soon. And so, yes, they're four and two, and they have what you might consider a sort of statement win against the San Francisco 49ers. But in a way, that win might have taught us more about the Niners, perhaps, than the Browns. And so mm. are, are they a good football team? Yes. Can they win this game against Seattle this weekend? Yes. Does their offense scare me? No, it's more their defense that scares me. There you go. Uh, so uh, weapons-wise, obviously, you the first guy you think of is Amari Cooper. Yeah. Is he is – he, having the kind of season or is he still the player that a struggling quarterback can lean on yeah. with, with pitch and catch? And he, he, so he's still bringing that element. Yeah. I mean, he's so good at separation. Griff. Like, like yeah. and, and for a struggling quarterback like Watson, who, as we can talk about in a minute, can't get velocity on throws right now for a quarterback like PJ Walker, that might not have the arm talent to begin with. And, at times has been slow on reads, decisions. His ability, Cooper's ability to still get separation downfield is such a huge thing for a quarterback because now it might limit them in the sense that, okay, you've got three yards or five yards of separation when the ball comes out and you're just going to get a completion out of it because the ball is going to take a while to get there and that three to five yards becomes a step by the time the catch is made. Mm-hmm. It's still a completion. You know, it's not a situation like Mitchell Trubisky in the years past where three to five yards of separation becomes minus one yard of separation by the time the ball gets there and you get a PBU. So he could still be Cooper, that kind of 
security blanket type of player. And, you know, thinking about how you might construct a game plan against him, he's somebody that you're going to want to account for. He's somebody that you might want to do some different things with. You might want to put a time safety help over the top. He's somebody that certainly you're going to want to account for in third and six, third and seven situations, because that's where QB's eyes are going to go. You know, right. that's where the quarterback is going to look in those moments. But he's still a very good football player, somebody that whoever is under center is going to look for when they drop back to throw. Gotcha. And, and the what, guy. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead. Matty. No, no, all you. Good old delay. Not the first time. <laughs> uh, well, well, then how about, how about Elijah Moore? Because he came over from New York. I liked him a lot in the draft process. His career hasn't exactly gotten off the ground the way. I thought it would, but also he's had tough quarterback situations. Yeah, and what's been interesting about the way they've used him, you've seen a lot of manufactured touches for him. You've seen a lot of orbit return swing, orbit jet return swing, like a lot of let's get him the ball quickly. I mean, you look at that game against San Francisco, you look at you know this Colts game, for example, they're trying to get him involved, quick touches, manufactured touches, create after the catch because – he is an explosive athlete, and when you you know watched him in college, as you said, a lot of people, myself included, loved him coming out, thought he was sort of that perfect sort of slot weapon type receiver. It hasn't quite come together due to you know, poor quarterback play in the past. Mm-hmm. Obviously, an interesting quarterback situation he's in right now. But they're trying. Skafanski is trying to get him some touches, trying to get him some opportunities to just create with the ball in his hands. And when you've got quarterbacks that, for whatever reason, can't push the ball downfield and you have to find ways to create explosive plays in the pass game, that's a good thing to have. I mean, it hasn't quite always worked for them, but they're still trying it. And that is a good thing because he can deliver that at times. Yeah, type of stuff you do for a guy who requested a trade like he did as well. You can imagine behind the scenes he's like, give me the ball. Exactly. (laughs) Give me the ball as much as you can. So, okay, fine. Here's a screen. Here's a smoke screen. Here's an orbit return. Like, just go. Go have fun. So, under sense is obviously the big story, and you alluded to that already because it's the big story. And you've got, as as you mentioned, multiple reports, uh, Tom Pellicero reporting, Adam Schefter reporting today on the type of injury. Cleveland tried to kind of – get it out there i think as day to day but that seems unlikely now the the official word is that it's a via Schefter, a strain of the subcapularis within the rotator cuff and he continues to have both pain and weakness with movement in baseball it would cause pitchers to miss four to six weeks and the tape showed what's or there's not even the tape watching the broadcast or even red zone he was like shot putting the football you yeah. can't throw the ball yeah. um Mark, you have a, a kind of a, a proximity to this type of injury, don't you? I do. Do you have a subcapularis? Or? So here's my little quick medical diagnosis. And now the chat's going to really be like, really, we're going to talk about this 46-year-old man's shoulders. Yeah, we're going to talk hey, Mark about can, it Mark second. can sling because, it. Look, I've got a torn labrum <laughs> in my right shoulder, my throwing shoulder, which dates back to my college days. And in the left, I've got a torn labrum and a torn rotator cuff, both of which require surgery. And I've just kind of said, no, I don't want to have surgery. What does a torn rotator cuff feel? Well, as I said, I have a torn rotator cuff right here. I'm sitting here right now, and it feels like I have a knife in my shoulder. Just mm. sitting here. Not even trying to do anything athletic. I try to do something athletic, and it's pain. I try to just sometimes like reach up to grab something off of a shelf, and it's pain. And the main thing, and again, now we'll go to the right shoulder, the throwing shoulder. I, I coach baseball. I was coaching baseball last night, just trying to throw – 
from home plate back to the pitcher's mound. I was warming up a pitcher. It's an adventure. Every throw is an adventure because over time you're wondering, is the shoulder going to give out? Am I going to feel that excruciating pain with the release here? You start to compensate for it mechanically, which leads to, as you said, Maddie, sort of that shot put in where it's like you don't want to extend it because any sort of extension away from your frame hurts a lot. So you keep everything in tighter, which gets to that sort of shot put type of throw in motion. You see, it's clear that he's had this for a while. He's had some sort of shoulder issue for a while, but you certainly saw it against Indianapolis, that first interception where he's flushed and rolling to his right, and you've got six yards of separation on a corner route, and he's got all his momentum leading into this throw, and the ball just dies. I mean, it just dies, and he's got a run into this throw, and it just dies. It's been bothering him for a while. There were throws earlier in this season where you could tell the shoulder just was not quite right. So the impact is immediately it's a loss of velocity. That's the most noticeable thing. And that's like you said, guys, you can see it on film. You can see it on broadcasts. But internally in your mind, it's a lack of confidence. Like, I don't know if I can make this throw. If I try it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make another throw. You start to compensate for things. You speed yourself up in the pocket as well because you don't want to get hit. Like it doesn't feel great when you're getting hit and you've got a shoulder injury because you don't like we saw the hit that eventually knocked him out of the game. You land on that shoulder and it's that feeling of a knife in your shoulder yet again. And so it's a lot for him to deal with. And, you know, I understand that they're listing him as day to day and maybe he's technically day to day, but day to day with a shoulder injury is different. If you're an offensive lineman, if you're a defensive lineman, if you know, you're playing a position that doesn't task you with, throw in a football that repeated torque of the shoulder it's a lot to try to play through that Hmm. why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip you atv and zip line through the jungle You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Um, but what is interesting is uh, Watson, in, in in your eyes, was kind of, well, and and everyone's eyes really, but I know you've wrote on it, was a, was a, was struggling, like... You're a big fan of his coming out of Clemson. Uh, Mark is an excellent, as I've said at the start of the show, excellent quarterback, talent evaluator. Um, and on your Monday night SB Nation NFL show, you you mentioned that before Watson got to uh, Cleveland when he was in Houston, he was one of your favorite guys to watch NFL tape of as well, and he was top 10 guy there. But then you've said that the fall-off was evident before that injury, and you likened it uh, Wentzian, Wilsonian. I like that. Um, so what... What has happened to him? Yeah, I mean, look, his final playing season in Houston, 
I, I'm not kidding. I would come downstairs Monday morning and he'd be one of the first three or four quarterbacks I'd watch. Like, doesn't matter what he did, doesn't matter what his numbers were. It was like Mahomes, it was Allen. And yeah, I'm I'm getting myself to some Deshaun Watsonville because that last season he played in Houston. I mean, he had it all working for him. I mean, yeah. one of the things that I loved about what he was doing that year was underneath defenders. This is why I know we're gonna talk about how I thought they could fix him. You know, get into spread, let it be a sort of point guard distribute the ball, move underneath defenders with his eyes. He was so good at that. Just quick glance, looking somebody off, move that underneath linebacker, move that rat defender, come back and make a throw on time in rhythm. That's just the passing aspect to it. Then you get the athleticism, the ability to create on the move, some of the eye candy stuff that Bill O'Brien would dial up as well, play action and things like that. It was fun to watch each week. Then I don't know if it was the layoff, I don't know if it was the adjustment to what Skafanski wants to do, which is more of your McVay, Shanahan, under center boot action, which, right. you know, Watson can do, but like, uh, I think he's more comfortable spread empty and things like that. I, I don't know if it's the layoff. I don't know if it's the trying to marry the two playbooks, the two schools of thought. I don't know, but the fall off is precipitous. I mean, even early in the season, he was just laid on reads, laid on throws. And look, he doesn't have the most powerful arm to begin with. I mean, Matty, right. you, you and I, we remember the day back in the ITP days <laughs> when 47 miles per hour dropped at the combine. And I'm sitting there in my kitchen staring at my phone like, all right, this is my QB1 of the draft just ahead of Mahomes. How am I going to face the timeline now? Like, like, like he doesn't have a powerful arm, but he was able to compensate with that, with touch, with trajectory, with timing. But when that stuff's gone because he's either not yeah. comfortable in the offense, not comfortable with the concepts, not comfortable with whatever, he doesn't have the arm talent to begin with to make that up. Now with an injured shoulder, I mean, it, it's like three steps back, not just two or one steps back. And so the fall off is precipitous. I, I don't know. Like I said on the Monday Football Monday show, I mean, I, I think you almost have to consider just shutting them down and say, look, we're going to roll with P.J. Walker in this defense because – you know, we've made the investment we've made. Like, there's no way from getting out from under that. So, best thing we could do is get a healthy Deshaun Watson. But then you're talking basically what? Most the majority of three years off at that point? Like, that's yeah. a long time away from, like, game, game, game reps. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's like a case of he's almost missed so much time already that it's hard to get back to – that peak that he had in Houston. And obviously the the connection he had with Hopkins, like throwing the back shoulder stuff after like spamming yeah. mesh yeah. and being able to then extend a tiny bit. It just is weird. And then, <laughs> yeah. He, you know, he had in, in Hopkins that security blanket. And I don't know if he's quite gotten there with Cooper, which is weird given everything that I just talked about. I mean, I, yeah. I still remember when, you know, the Cowboys traded for Cooper and you had Dak who was – and I know Dak's polarized, and goodness gracious, I don't want to wade into the Dak wars right now. But you saw an immediate uptick in completion percentage. And completion percentage is not the be-all and end-all of accuracy and things like that. But when you have that separation and you have a quarterback like Dak that sometimes isn't as precise as it needs to be with ball placement, like it, it mattered immediately. It hasn't quite clicked between, I don't think, Watson and Cooper yet. And so he doesn't have that sort of relationship. Like, Third and like I still remember Watson's first start that like Thursday night game against Cincinnati, where it was like Hopkins is just going to run 
a curl at the sticks on every single pass and play. And you knew that's where the ball was going and it didn't matter because the two are already on the same page. He doesn't have that. And, you know, you can spam, like you said, Maddie's mesh and stuff like that with him. And it's not clicking. The timing is still off. And so I don't know, again, how they get it back. But Cleveland as an organization has to figure that out because of the investment that they've made. Has um has Stefanski tried to bridge under center and shotgun via pistol pistol at all? He's done some of that. I mean, but it's still more like no, we're, we'll be under center. You know, we'll, we'll do some gun stuff. I I think Griff, that's a good idea to bridge that in yeah. in, a, in a way. But they haven't done as much of that as I think right. you know could get that accomplished because you know you think of guys like Peyton Manning, you know the Kubiak you know, versus where man wanted to be in the gun. So they went pistol to sort of bridge that. Right. It's certainly something I think they could lean into a lot more. I think part of it is he's been in and out of the lineup such that they're like, all right, well, we're just going to have to do what we do here. And yeah. so PJ, now they've been creative with some backfield stuff. I did some stuff recently, you know, gun with offset eye, kind of like what, you know, what Seattle's doing, which is creative and, and fun to watch and fun to study. Right. But I don't think they've bridged that as much as they could. Yeah, you know, and, and it's also ironic because we uh, the the number one reference point for this type of offense is Kyle Shanahan himself, right? Yeah, but he he shifted to gun like three years ago just because Jimmy was. I mean, they still do under center, but his under center usage usage like dropped off by like fifteen percentage points in terms of total snap share. Uh, obviously, the type of offense I think Shanahan would run with Watson would be a little bit different than what he's ran with Purdy and Garoppolo, et cetera. But can you could you foresee Stef- Stefanski? With a healthy Watson, with a fresh look in the offseason, trying to change the macro structure of what he's doing and kind of abandon, like we're going to be an under center outside zone chub show. Or I think I think he's going to have to take a long look at that. I mean, because again, the financials are such that you have to find an answer for the Watson situation. The answer is not going to be found elsewhere, quarterback. Like you have to make this work. And I think, you know, looking at where Watson is at his best, where he's at his most comfortable. It's it's more that look. I'm going to be like I was at Clemson. I'm yeah. I'm going to be back in that sort of comfort zone of in the gun, spreading stuff out. Let me be catch and release. You know, let me be at times. You know, point guard distributor type. Yes, we can condense things and maybe pistol or gun play action looks and things like that. But let him be that quick distributor of the football where he's been at his best. Right. Right. Yeah. And. It's funny because you, you were early on this, Mark. You were saying in December of last season that it was figuring out that blend, basically, the rest of that season and it wasn't, between. Yeah, it, it wasn't clicking back then. So they and should I, hire you. No, they shouldn't because, <laughs> yes. I mean, come on, let's be honest. I mean, nobody yeah. wants to do that. But you you could see it last year. I mean, because this was a bad passing game when he came back. It was a bad passing game when he came back. The, I, I don't think the, the mesh had worked between Stefanski's Stefans game where he wanted to be and where Watson wanted to be. And so I thought, look, I, I was relatively optimistic on the Browns coming in because I thought, all right, well, Stefanski will have seen that like short sample size and said, okay, well, this is what we now have to do. This is where we have to take this offense to put him in a position where he's comfortable, get him back into his comfort zone. This is what worked for him in Houston. So that's what we're going to look like. And it didn't quite happen because as Griff kind of said, look, they're, they're going to be an under center, outside zone, wide zone, boot action team you know, lean into Chubb, lean into the run game, which I can understand in a sense, it's Nick Chubb, but, you know, we're still, 
I feel like the worm has somewhat turned, generally speaking, scoring's down, run games being a yeah. bit more effective this year. And so maybe the thought was we're going to lead into that, continue to lean into that because that's what we're going to do well. Well, now Chubb's hurt, and so it's not quite the same. And so, you know, I would have thought they would have figured that blend out. They didn't. I would have thought when Chubb went down, they would have maybe moved away and would have forced their hand. It hasn't quite happened. And, and now you got Watson banged up. You barely throw the ball downfield. And you're thinking, all right, well, we might have to ride this out with P.J. Walker and a good defense. Right, right. Yeah. And now uh, now Jerome Ford is probably missing this game with an ankle yep. injury. And it's going to be Pierre Strong and Kareem Hunt, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, those are two NFL running backs that are on rosters right now. They as exist. We enter, you know, they, they have as jobs. We enter this week of the season. They have jobs. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. All right. So, and uh, just a relevant detail everyone should check out uh, Mark wrote a piece in week two, which basically formed the basis of my articles, uh, of my questions on uh, titled Deshaun Watson struggling. What can the Browns do to fix it? Which covers a lot of this so make sure you read that it's got good and I, I, I sort of pulled the punch on that headline i i should have been a bit stronger there but i yeah you should yeah. have said at the end hire hire me yeah. no no i should have basically said look this is all different shades of bad right now and they're yeah easy it's, bad, it's bad it's, it's bad it's bad hey but mark i clicked it so it's good i'm gonna go tell my editors that you clicked yeah. it because because they were all saying no you should write that he's hot garbage and i'm like <laughs> Well, I mean, the last time I dove into the Cleveland quarterback wars, uh, I wrote about Baker and oh boy, it, it was dicey because yeah. I was early on how Baker was not the answer, and there were a lot of Browns fans that were not too but, but ultimately right. Yeah, no, never so, wrong, just early. Never wrong. There you, there, you there you go. So the other guy, the maybe the more likely guy is PJ Walker, who yep. after lighting up in the XFL, you for when you were NFLY, you had. A piece why the buzz around PJ Walker is real, and I'm wondering, you know, the buzz was definitely real. Um, I had to, that article is a good kind of time capsule, actually. But where are you at with him now? Because you know pa- that article Carolina is a, is, really is a great time capsule for how QB thirsty we all are. Because yes. now he's played more NFL games, and I don't think the buzz is real. I mean, look to his oh, credit. No. Look, they, they they beat the San Francisco 49ers, right? But I rewatched that game this morning, as I said, I did my homework. And his, what, last eight passing attempts or last eight dropbacks in the game, which they won, were an incompletion, a check down behind the line of scrimmage where the back had to fight just to get back to the line of scrimmage, a sack for an 11-yard loss, two straight incompletions. Then you get that weird, you know, roughness penalty, a defensive hold, and an incompletion. Like, Yeah. It wasn't, you know, the best performance from P.J. Walker. They're trying a lot in the screen game. They're mm-hmm. trying a lot in the, like, you know, our wide receiver screen, RB screen. When they finally got him sort of going a little bit, it was, like, mirrored everything. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to go, you know, full field concepts. We're just going to give you mirrored curl flat. And we're going to give you mirrored Ohio or mirrored Omaha or mirrored golf flat. And we're going to treat you like, you know, Matt Nagy treated Mitchell Trubisky, where it's like, look, I'm going to give you basically a Madden play. Please figure it out. With Um, how much football he's played, that surprises me. But I guess he's that kind of mobile type. You know, they had a play against San Francisco late where they went, you know, tosser with the double slants on the right, backside, because it's not three by one, backside slant. You had Najoku on a seam against a cover two look. Najoku is wide open, like just absolutely wide open from the middle of the field. And he throws the backside ISO slant. 
Like, like he doesn't want to push it downfield. He'll do it on design. Like when they dial up nine, eight, nine or nine, six, nine, and he's got, okay. It's just vertical routes. Like, yeah, he'll throw it then. Um, but he doesn't really want to push the ball downfield unless he absolutely is like forced to. Oh dear. <laughs> um, and I, I'd also think if they could maybe under center it up a bit more with him, get him out on, on the bootleg, but I guess the NFL has got pretty good at kind of working have, out that. They've tried that they? too. I mean, they've tried yeah. that as well. And it's like like teams have – and again, I think this is a part of the bigger theme of the NFL this year. Is like defenses have caught up. I mean, defenses know like, oh, yeah, he's under center right now. And it's second and seven. Maybe I'm the backside, weak side, you know, edge defender here. I'm going to kind of stay home. So I have a feeling he's going to boot my way. And sure enough, there's P.J. Walker, like, booting right into the Nick Bosa's lap. And, you know, he's going to throw it away or he's going to make a throw under duress. Defenses have, right. like, league-wide caught up. You're seeing it in red zones. You're seeing it, you know, third down situations. I think in many, many instances, the league has sort of caught up with team, what teams try to do. Do you, yeah. as, a, as a little um, tangent here, do you think that we might see a return of pure under center drop back? Just because under center is you're either running zone runs or zone action off of it. Yeah, I think we might, you know, just just because, you know, the with the way that the defenses have caught up to things, number one, and with the speed we're seeing up front, you know, I, I was having a conversation with a, a dad of one of the kids I coach on Sunday because, you know, he's like, takes an interest in what I do. So he's asking me like, why is scoring down and things like that? And it's like, you're seeing such athletes on the defensive side of the ball where, you know, you try, it used to be, you could get horizontal into space because yeah. you had athletes to do that. You had, you know, athletes up front that could do that in the zone blocking schemes. You had backs that could then get to the edge. And then when defensive was so worried about that and scrambling to catch up, then you get the boot action off of that. Now teams are, you know, you've got teams like, say, the Cleveland Browns that have two edge rushers in Garrett and Smith that are athletic enough where they can flow in response. They can recover in time. So even if they do cheat down on that, they can get back. And so I think you might see as a way to sort of, you know, stabilize and make it more static a return to the under center drop back stuff where it's like, okay, well, we're going to stop trying to beat you to the edges and top, stop trying to beat you out into space we're going to constrict things a bit. You know, I think you're starting to see more, I don't want to say max protect around the league, but I'd say maybe six, six and a half man protection schemes where it's six plus a chip, right? Where yeah. it's like, look, we're going to sacrifice that tight end getting out quickly to stay home and help because we've got two defensive ends. Every team's got two guys that can get after them. It's right. not just the days where you've got one and that's where you slide the protection and maybe you chip and read these there. You've got to make sure you got both locked up. And, right. and so I think that's a great idea. It's a great point. You might see a return to that under center static, more static drop back game to sort of condense things. It's like playing chess, you know, in the castle move, right? Where you're just going to form a pocket around our quarterback, keep them protected and try to like then make hay downfield in the passing game. Yeah. Go. And also like defenses seem to just league wide have got better uh, uh, kind of to your point. They've got, everyone's got lighter but good like yeah. it used to be a case where they'd get lighter and faster and the guy out there would not you wouldn't be able to live in like sub package now everyone it's very rare you get like a bigger even the linebackers are like 220 pounds now right. and they can run yeah, it's, like it's, four it's, five it's, i always and i know you guys do this too we remind people that 
it flows up. Like the schemes, the traits, the yeah. players, the coaches, it all flows up. And so, you know, when you've got now all these colleges that are running defenses where you need players in that mold, playing on the second level, playing in the slot. I mean, look, Seattle's got a pretty good one that they just added, who, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, but when you've got an influx of those kinds of players now, you can start to do that. Whereas, okay, it's like in years past when the Patriots would take Patrick Chun, a true like strong safety, and say, you're now hybrid slide linebacker, like you're going to be down in the box, but you can't really cover receivers that well. And, you know, maybe you're somewhat inconsistent against the run. Now you're getting guys that are lighter, but still can play extremely well against the run. And so you can stop the run out of these sub packages, but you also can sort of use these players to get after the quarterback. You can use them in a bunch of different ways and it's made life tougher for offenses now. Hmm. So transitioning to the Cleveland defense, I think it's just worth summarizing data wise Cleveland's offense. I've just looked it up. They're 31st in EPA per play and drop back wise. They're the worst team in the league in EPA and rush EPA. And they, they should be good at rushing really They're 19th. So not a good offense for, uh, in terms of EPA. It was a nice kind of summary. Now, defensively, Mark, as an offensive mind, not, not, not um, you know, offense, not... Um, right, right. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I know where you're going. You're not I vulgar. You. Yeah. Uh, you. <laughs> um, how would you deal with Miles Garrett? <laughs> this is your job application. <laughs> See, and this is why, you know, nobody should hire me because I don't... There are no easy answers here. There are absolutely yeah. no easy answers because the problem is, look... Schwartz will move him around. I mean, we all saw it. it you know, he's lined up in the A-gap doing the Allen Iverson oh, arrow step. Yeah. Like, That's how do you game plan for that? Like, I'd poo myself if I yeah. had a center. I mean, look, if I'm the quarterback and I saw that, like, forget it. Like, it's an absolute, <laughs> like, this. I'm retiring on the spot. Like, I'm done. Like, no more. Um, I think the one – this is a fast defense. It can play sideline to sideline extremely well. JOK, I know he, I think he got dinged up in the Colts game, but he's – Look, you watch that Niners game, and Garrett was obviously fantastic. JOK, I think he knew every single screen that the Niners dialed up. He was, like, sitting there waiting for it. Like, it was an, yeah. an impressive job of advanced film study that they did in that game. They're fast. They flow. They're athletic. I think one thing that you have to do is sort of counter their speed with your speed, in a sense, which isn't so much athletic speed, but playmaking and play decision speed. You're a quarterback. You're Gito Smith this week. You get to get the ball out quickly. Now, I don't mean it's just quick game. It's just one step on from the gun and three step if you're going under center. It's just you've got to make smart decisions, quick decisions with the football, neutralize that pass rush with your mind and your decision making. I think that's one thing you have to do. There are times when, like, yeah, you're probably going to have to. And I know, look, Seattle's not shy about using multiple tight end packages. Get an extra tight end on the field, and you're you're helping on 95. Like, yeah, we're not we're going to have two receiver routes, three receiver routes, because there are going to be moments in this game where you're going to have to sacrifice a route downfield for blocking Miles Garrett. You're going to want to make sure you do that. You're going to want to make sure from a pass protection standpoint that if they kick him inside, if they do things inside, you know, if they do some stuff with him in the twist game, you've got to be able to communicate up front. Like, like when, when they go, you know, text, when they go, you know, ET on the edge, you've got to call that stuff out. You've got to communicate because they will loop him inside and they will try to get some free runner situations where now he's not coming off the edge. He's in your face through the A gap. And that is a nightmare scenario. And I know Gino said it wasn't him that said it, you know, in that Aaron Donald moment from <laughs> earlier in the year, but you get 95 with a full head of steam running your way. 
Oh, that's yeah. an old guard moment. Like it absolutely yeah. is. So you've got to be quick with your decisions. If you're Geno Smith, you've got to get the ball out quickly. And again, it's not just via quick game. It's you might run some downfield concepts, but you've got to get the ball out quickly. If it's not there and your checked out, isn't there, like throw it away. Like second and 10 is fine. You know, second and 17, when suddenly you can't feel your legs, that's not fine. So, so you've got to get the ball out quickly. You've got to punish them when they, when they spot drop into country, like they do that at times. Yeah. You know, they'll spot drop it to two, they'll spot drop it to three because sometimes Schwartz is like, look, I'll let guys figure it out. That's fine. But when they do take advantage of those moments, you know, because yeah. you watch their game against Pittsburgh, for example, Kenny Pickett had some success when they went spot drop against them. Just, okay, well, I'm going to hit my, I'm going to hit my windows. I'm going to get the ball out. This is something Gino does well anyway. So I think he'll be in a position to do this, but, when they do spot drop, like take advantage of those moments. And the other thing in watching teams that have had success against them, they will make mistakes. Like they're not a perfect football team. You watch their game against the Titans, some switch releases, some stacks, some bunches and things like that. You'll get the occasional bust or two. Punish it. You know, Tannehill had a great read where, you know, they get a switch release and both guys went inside and he just cut his drop short because his eyes were there and got the ball out. Like, you know, come off drops, come off things quickly. You get moments like that, take advantage, punish it. You'll be much better off if you start doing things like that. Yeah, I I have visions of Tyler Lockett catching a, a corner post against like two invert or something. Yeah, off like play action max protection. That that's that's how he's made his uh, living for quite a while of his explosive plays. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, what w- one note on the on that point about trying to stall the rush a little bit? One thing that's this, Waldron's been doing the last three weeks, which is really interesting. I can't really figure out why, because it seems somewhat unnecessary. Is they're running the ball a lot more on on sec on second down, especially at a gun, and I think they're trying to vary their tendency there. And I'm wondering if and I don't even know if coaches think this far ahead as far as trying to game plan for the future. But I wonder if they're trying to um, exploit that expect that pretense they're putting out there because they wanted to play action a lot at a gun um, against this team because they're that's the one thing they've been able to lean, lean on with their injured offensive line is the offensive line hasn't affected their ability to play action uh, effectively. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, you want to be the good coaches, the good coaching staffs are thinking three, four, five games ahead, and. and Look, I know your priority in the moment is to win a football game, but you want to be thinking three, four, five games ahead. If you think about another example of that, 
look, what was the thing that caught everybody's, you know, film guru eyes when the season began? Dolphins, cheat motion, right? Everybody was writing about it. I wrote about it. We all wrote about it. We all talked about it. It was all, oh, my God, they've given Tyree Kill a head start. This is ridiculous. This isn't the Disgusting. It's cheating. Disgusted. It's cheated. Whatever. But then they started folding in run elements off of that, right? Because they're showing it, but they had that plan. That, Look, we're going to start folding in some run elements. And then they're doing some other stuff with it as well. You start breaking your own tendencies as a coach because you know maybe down the road, like, look, we want to start doing more play action here on second and seven rather than mm-hmm. just running it and getting to third and two. So, yeah, we'll run it on second and seven and get to third and two so we can set up that play action off of second and seven down the road. Smart coaching staffs do a very good job at breaking their own tendencies, studying them, breaking their own tendencies, and then – using some things early in the year, but knowing that they're going to have some stuff built in off of that for later in the season. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Now I, w- I was kind of surprised that the coach managed to score 38 points, but kind of looking back on it, it was mainly the offense putting the defense in really poor yeah. situations. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that was it for the most part. I mean, Look, something happened last weekend that is going to, that you can revisit say in March that broke my heart. Mac Jones had a very good game, number one. And Gardner Minshew had a pretty good game against the Cleveland Browns defense. And so when we get to March and the Patriots decide to roll it back with Mac Jones and maybe sign or trade for Gardner Minshew as a plan B, remember this week because that's probably what I'm going to be living through in, in March. But, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was, look, they, they made some mistakes. They, they put the they put the defense in some bad situations. But I think there are plays to be made against this Browns defense as good as they are. Yeah. Well, yeah, for those who don't know, Mark is a big uh, Patriots fan. He used to write for Pat's Pulpit as well. Really good stuff. Now, finally, Mark, you've been very gracious with your time. Uh, what's your impression of the Seahawks from afar, given you cover the sport nationally? I think they're a very good football team. And something that I remind people all the time, um, you get, we all get so hyper-focused on the team that we watch, the team that we study, the team that we love. We don't often take a step back and look around. Take a step back and look around the NFC right now. Like, we've just seen the Niners drop two games. We just saw the Lions get blown out. But the Eagles, you know, they just had a stunning loss to the Jets. Like, the Seahawks are a very good football team. They have an extremely good defense. They have in Witherspoon, you know, this this last, cor- last cornerback class. I loved Witherspoon and I loved Christian Gonzalez. And I thought Christian Gonzalez was built in a lab to play cornerback for Bill Belichick and – he landed in the absolute ideal spot. And I thought Witherspoon was built in a lab to play for Pete Carroll. And here he is. And, and I wrote about him after that Giants game. And basically, I say I wrote about him. I stole half of Maddie's timeline the moment they drafted Witherspoon till training camp to that game. Because Maddie's point about putting good players from near the football, it's absolutely right. And see, that's why Matt is an actual coach and not somebody like me that pretends <laughs> pretends to be one. But yeah, this, I get paid loads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is a very good football team. It's a very good defense. And look, Geo Smith is a good quarterback. And he's a very good quarterback. His throw, the touchdown to JSN this week, was one of my favorite throws of this past weekend. And I know we, JSN was wide open. It's a scissors concept, but the ball was coming out before that bust happened. Because they were quarter, quarter, half, scissors. They both went with the post, breaking to the outside. The ball was already coming out. Gino knew exactly what was going to happen. The, I, I know I was doing – I do a weekly spot in Vancouver every Tuesday. And mm-hmm. I know that the completion to Fant on the other sort of deep crossers has been a major talking point. 
that's the right read and throw on that play. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, we do I that know with yeah. it's screenshot scouted, right? Like we do it all the time. It's like, but yeah, that's great. But look, look, JSN is wide open over here. Why are we not throwing him? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's the read coming open. Like, like, right. and it was a great throw. And Gino is a very good quarterback. Um, I, I've been, you know, there are some things that they need to improve on offensively. Yeah, you know. Red zone percentage, for example. Red zone has been, I know, a talking point around the Seahawks. It's been a talking point around every team. You know, Philly, they were number three in touchdown percentage in the red zone last year. They've cratered because defenses, you guys know this, they've gotten better down in the red zone. Like all the like switch stuff and rub stuff and all the things that teams want to do. Defenses now sort of have figured it out. And, And so offenses are trying to have to adjust down there. Turnovers, you know, you never like turnovers. They had some turnover problems recently, but this is a very good football team. And again, when you take a step back and look at the rest of the league, an incredible defense right now. And in this year, in this season, this might be the year to have an incredible defense because I think with scoring the way it is, with what we're seeing around the league, that's going to be huge for them down the stretch. Yeah. How exciting! Thank you, Mark. That's the. It's interesting. Every week we've asked to guess that, and now the defense looks real. Um, it's it's gradually getting even more positive. Um, obviously, the news that we we haven't talked about, maybe will in our show on Thursday is Yuchen and the Wosu getting hurt uh, yeah. out for the season. That's a big loss. Yeah, but that is a loss, particularly run game stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But this is a very good defense, and, and Witherspoon is especially now that my boy Christian Gonzalez is down for the season. Um, get yeah, those, rough. you know, defensive rookie of the year votes in now, friends. There you go. Right, Mark. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. For those who are watching on YouTube, you'll see Mark is wearing an Alpine hat. We haven't even got to talk about his Formula One work, which is really interesting as well. Like, there's not much good F1 content that I've I've experienced, but Mark's is damn good so check that out check out his sp nation stuff is there anything else you'd like to plug i mean look just just check out the dot com i'd say check me out on x twitter threads i mean i don't even know where i'm supposed to post stuff anymore oh and it's such a pain in the ass it takes forever i I gotta post like three different sites like blue sky mastodon posts threads (laughs) you're a mastodon I, I think so. I don't You're in know. there. You're like doing it's, it all. <laughs> the easiest is just go to SBNation.com. Um, check out the uh, – I will plug the Witherspoon piece I wrote, which, as I said, I basically cut and pasted from Maddie. I mean, you know, oh, I, well. I, it's it's all in there. I, I even plugged the team that you coach in. Like, like, I threw it all in there, so check that out. Oh, Mark, um, thank you. I missed that I, one. And for those that are F1 fans, look, I, I told Maddie before we hit record, Maddie is the most important – you know, Mr. Brown that I talked to today. Second is Zach Brown, the CEO of McLaren Racing. Um, I interviewed him. Um, yes, a CEO of a Formula One team was kind enough to talk to me for 15 minutes about Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri and apparently how much he does not like Aston Martin. So look for that interview uh, coming out soon. But guys, this was an absolute blast. Had so much fun. Keep crushing. You guys are the best. I was just honored to become aboard for a night. Thanks so much. We, we loved having you. Follow Mark on, on, on those apps at Mark Schofield. I think it's generally the way to do it. Quite easy. Uh, make sure you follow Griff at CMikeSpinMove. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. If you're watching, please do like the video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't. Comment down below. And 
if you're listening, review, five-star review, all that good stuff. We'll be back uh, later in the week with our All-22 review. Mark's already kind of done a good job breaking down some of the this great Seahawks plays. So we've we got to up our game, I think. Thank you so much, everyone. Right. And uh, have a good rest of your day, evening, night, morning, whatever. Goodbye.